turning the mic on. You're going to record another Notepod episode. This is going to be a solo episode. going to try to do at least one episode per week where I am switching between the solo episodes and then every other week doing one with Wally. I'm sure that you want to hear about what my plans are for the podcast for the 17th straight episode. I'm going to just jump into the book now. Uh, this week's book is called How to Get Rich. It's by Felix Dennis. He mentions in the book and in subsequent books that the title of the book was supposed to be ironic. It's kind of poking fun at the self-development books and the whole genre. He does make some remarks just about how that whole genre of books is written by people that have never been rich before, that a lot of it is how to get rich from people who don't actually know how to make money is the kind of like the point that he makes. That said, he made a ton of money, so he has the authority to say things like that. And throughout the book, I mean, the thing is, he does kind of like talk about what the steps to take to make that money. But there are pretty much reminders in every chapter that, hey, this is how to make money. But if you're looking for happiness by making money, then that's not going to be the answer. And the levels of rich that he has here are, I think it's something like, he's talking about making like $20 million and beyond. And I think his fortune was probably, and I don't think he was a billionaire, but he was, he passed away, I think in 2014. He ran Dennis Publishing and made, I think probably like hundreds of millions is like the amounts that he's talking about. So... It's kind of a biography, not really a biography, I wouldn't say it's like a biography really about, it's not completely written in this is what happened from childhood to this, to this, to this. He he does um, talk about different stories throughout his life, of course, and weaves that into the lessons that he's talking about. But I think the best way for me to go through this is just to share some quotes uh, from the book and I'll just go through some of the highlights that I have. Oh, here we go. So here's the first quote about what I was talking about earlier. What's the difference between how to get rich and all the other books about becoming incredibly successful? Simple. I am not a charlatan and do not profess to be a miracle worker. How to get rich is being written for amusement, not just effect or to earn a fortune in the self-improvement industry. And because I have little left to prove in the field of generating wealth, my book is as truthful and as complete as I can make it. Lastly, I don't want to sell you anything else, like Volume 2, then Volume 3, or a set of patronizing videotapes or DVDs. All you see is all you get with How to Get Rich. That's the end of the quote. So I guess it is kind of like refreshing in a way to read a book where they're not trying to sell you on anything else. I've certainly read my share of books where that happens to varying degrees, where uh, sometimes it is just like, oh, you know that they have some kind of coaching service, and it's mentioned at the end or something like that like oh hey if you want to learn more then do this to the the, all the way like not shameful but very obvious books or books where it's very obvious that it's just to get your email address in the end where every single chapter multiple times per chapter there's just links to join the mailing list get more content that's not included in the book at this link blah 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 which is fine uh but as far as a reading experience it's definitely nice to just have this single book and i think 
something that this reminds me of is just this idea that when reading self-improvement books, taking advice, that sort of thing, that uh, who it's coming from matters, that it maybe it shouldn't, but you could get like, the exact same wording from someone from two different people and then just based on like what they've done it will come through your ears differently and that reminds me of the book alchemy by rory sutherland where he tells a story about it was something like when they want to hire copywriters or hire some people like junior people in advertising they would ask like hey how would you make how, how would you i have this like 25 cent coin or maybe pence I, let's just say i have this quarter it's worth 25 cents what will you do to sell it for more than that? And then a good answer was something like, if I dip this thing into Marilyn Monroe's purse, now I have a coin, a quarter that Marilyn Monroe owned, and now I can sell it for more than that. And it's this idea that the story makes it worth more. Similarly, not not exactly the same thing, but that that is this idea that the same idea being dipped into, <laughs> coming from a different source will have different value. So uh, the advice in this book is just, just seems very solid because of the success that he's had. And uh, that success I've mentioned, he did Dennis publishing, which did in the two thousands, uh, Maxim. And then it's like, okay, so you've done Maxim and he, he did like the week, which was, or currently still is, um, magazine with like weekly news wrapped up. And of course, like you hear F H or Maxim and think like, oh, is that like the kind of stuff, the only kind of stuff that they make? But then Dennis Publishing also did a bunch of these PC and Mac magazines. And part of how he made his fortune, I think, is through, I forget, it's like Micro Warehouse, which was, I think, a catalog for PC parts. I, I should should have double-checked that. But, yeah, did, did a bunch of magazines in a bunch of different industries. And in the 70s, he also did a Kung Fu magazine to really, like, start in the industry, start getting reps in publishing. So found that pretty interesting. Quote number two, he says, But it was so demonstrably true that after a few more hopeless shots at finding my own voice... I did the only sensible thing and quit any pretense that I was going to make it in the music business. He's referring, that's the end of the quote. So he's referring to his early aspirations where he wanted to be an R&B singer. And then I think this is recording. He, he had this thing where he was with John Lennon and their, um, his like audio crew and audio engineer. And he was an aspiring R&B singer. So he gave them a little demo and John Lennon humored him, recorded it, then played it back for him and kind of gave him this advice or just like some some raw feedback from someone that knows what they're talking about. And he says, uh, so John Lennon tells him, it won't do, man. It's not that you can't sing. Sure, you can do a fair imitation of Chuck Berry or whatever, but don't people don't pay for imitations. You got to find your own voice or stick to editing your magazines. And that was kind of, that's another question like what John Lennon was saying. And that kind of ended his aspirations to be a professional or like a, to aim for like an R&B career. And I just find this interesting and kind of fun. Uh, he, he has these stories in this book that are pretty incredible just from his position as 
one of the wealthiest people in um, in the UK and just being one of the most connected people in media uh, through the magazine business, that he has these stories with different very famous people um, and these experiences like this showing... I, I think this, this gets back to that idea of the who you're taking advice from or like how relevant that is. And yeah, hearing this thing of, oh, he, he did have these young aspirations to do creative work and to, to try to pursue a creative career. And he failed at that and instead did a uh, slightly more mechanical <laughs> kind of uh, like magazine publishing is there's probably like creative business aspects of it, but in it's not the same as singing uh, full time. Then, he it's kind of the whole like career arc, or like arc of life where he did he was going to try to be an R&B singer then he went into magazine publishing for most of his career and was very successful at that and then kind of retired to he retired and or um was not really like running it that it wasn't his full-time thing doing the magazine publishing and he was able to um pursue poetry he was trying to be a full-time poet after um, his success and making his fortune. So it is nice to see like someone returning to making their fortune or returning uh, to creative work if that's what they originally had in mind uh, for their career. Another quote, this is just, I guess, not a quote. It, this is a set of three quotes that he shares all together. It's at the beginning of a chapter about luck. And he says, the three great quotes concerning luck for me are these, luck is preparation multiplied by opportunity that's Seneca, Roman philosopher. Quote number two is, The harder I practiced, the luckier I got. That is by Gary Player, golf champion. And then, Luck is a dividend of sweat. And that is Ray Kroc, McDonald's founder. And kind of the point that he has in this chapter about luck and hard work is that it is somewhere in the middle. Basically that, it's. Or I wouldn't even say like it's somewhere in the middle, it's, it's both. And again, he's talking getting to like tens, hundreds of millions of dollars that it requires luck and then it also requires hard work. So it's not like, oh, you only have to work smart and that kind of thing. And this is definitely something I was listening to an old podcast episode actually of yeah, just listening to myself with Wally and we were talking about, you know, like the luck, hard work thing. And I think I've mentioned that I was very much kind of on the like, oh, work smart, man, you know, you gotta get lucky and you don't have to work hard. And now I think I've definitely leaned a little further toward, oh, yeah, it, you can get a lot done with hard work. Um, maybe long hours do tend to add up. And, yeah, what, what he says about luck in this book is that it's going to require luck, but if you're reading this book, you're probably already lucky. If you are alive on Earth, and, of course, he's doing the math of, oh, you're alive at this time, oh, to beat out the millions of other sperm that on, on the your conception night kind of thing and just all the factors that go into being alive today that you're already lucky is kind of what he's saying and then but then he does give examples of where in his career he's just gotten lucky and one of them which will be about i think the next quote but one of the things that he talks about is his success with his kung fu magazine was almost entirely based on luck in the timing of how it happened because he was writing this Bruce Lee biography, which was not lucky to make that deliberate decision, oh, we're going to write this biography about Bruce Lee. But then the timing happened to be that when they were working on that biography, Bruce Lee 
passed away and it created this whole thing about of course like the conspiracy theories that's where the, the whole world was interested in bruce lee at the time so um that was just a, a timing thing that worked out for their biography and that biography and like all the content that they made there was repurposed for kung fu magazine so here is yeah just and yeah that, that kind of goes to some of the luck that he had but then also the hard work end of things he did work very very hard and he talks about that repeatedly in this book just that and this was kind of like the core of the happiness versus money and pursuing um a lot of yeah like pursuing money trying to become very rich and he pretty clearly says like if you want to do that you're going to sacrifice happiness you're going to make all these sacrifices because you need to spend time away from your family spend time away from your friends you can't be doing all these other things and most of your day and to yeah just to get to like that level of wealth requires hard work and kind of like this maniacal focus on just making that money and it is not the path to happiness is basically what he's saying and he 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 made those sacrifices and toward the end he i wouldn't say that he regrets or like laments but he does mention like oh he never had children and he doesn't explain why or anything but um says that he also can see that oh th- this was i guess like a <laughs> i guess i'm gonna go off on a tangent but um he knows that a lot of people will say oh hey like that's great for you and you're giving this advice about how to get rich and you didn't have kids i have kids i don't have time to get rich blah 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 but then he points out like there's plenty of people that have kids they made the time they made sacrifices in different areas and they were able to get rich so you can use that as as an excuse but at least have the awareness that you're using it as an excuse and you've made this excuse for yourself and then he he points out this other thing of like uh which is pretty hard hitting i think that okay you're gonna say that but now do you really want to become this bitter person that says like oh or i think he gives an example of a friend that is or someone that he knew that just pretty much like blamed their kids like got somewhat rich but would always say like oh if i didn't have my kids then i would have gotten so much richer blah 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 and he says like isn't that terrible for the kid or the kids because now you have this parent that just continues you your parent for the rest of your life will just blame you for their fail like what they perceive as their failures and yeah that i was like oh wow that's terrible so yeah maybe don't uh at least just accept if if you're going if that's the reason that's a good reason not to like pursue this path of what he would point out is unhappy like this unhappy path completely fine to to avoid this thing so um back to this quote about bruce lee he says these are the things that were kind of in his favor with the Bruce Lee biography. He says, Firstly, Bruce Lee had lived fast and died young, always a great career move for any movie star. Secondly, it is impossible to libel a dead man, legally speaking. Thirdly, he was popular in virtually every country in the world, including the third world. Fourthly, I had obtained a huge stash of Bruce Lee photographs by sending my friend Don Ate at Yale to Hong Kong at the time of Bruce Lee's funeral. Don is a great journalist. He set about interviewing everyone who had ever known Bruce Lee. Those interviews served as the basis for my magazine for more than a decade. That's the end of the quote. So I guess the lesson here, is, I mean, there's a bunch of different things, but the, the one that I, I just wrote a note here that said repurpose, this is definitely one of these things of, this is an old-fashioned 
example of like making a magazine in the doing a biography in the seventies, repurposing the interview content for a magazine in the same decade that ran for a decade, and it kind of connects to Wally and I are trying to pivot this podcast a little to like the video focus, which I co- kind of just remembered right now. So I'm going to try to um, relate this to videos. And something that's pretty common now is repurposing your video content. So you repurpose, like, you see a lot of podcasters do this if they also do the videos, is that they'll record the video of the interview that they do. So that can be like 40 minutes to, say, like an hour, hour and a half. And then that gets clipped into smaller pieces which can be reposted to the same platform or then you see those on different platforms that act as like promotional material. And I thought it was interesting just to see uh, these kind of like old-fashioned tactics reapplied to modern day or just thinking about how they apply now um, in the modern day. And then also like this idea of the Kung Fu magazine. One of the things about it is that it was a magazine, but each issue was also a poster. So thinking about the importance of packaging is interesting as well it's just like I, I didn't quite think about like how that applies now like you can't open up like your instagram feed and then you know put that on the poster or anything but um yeah maybe that's like a separate thing that and it just made me remember like those times growing up uh with like egm game players magazine that one of the joys of it was ripping out the poster that was in every issue and then slapping that up on the wall which is still on my uh on the walls when I go home. So I have like Metal Gear Solid posters and um, it's great. It's, uh, it's always like fun to see those different things. And then I think the last quote that I will share here is, let me see. Actually, I'll do two quotes. So this first one, a stubborn person fears to be shown he or she is wrong. A persistent person is convinced that he or she has been right all along and that the proof lies just around the corner that with just uh, actually and then um i'll skip a little and he says so what's the difference between like persistence and stubbornness or like being persistent and being stubborn and he says and the difference is the difference between the two is as crucial as and as intangible as the dotted line on a map across a desert separating one country from another these lines appear to be of little importance they are of no importance to the living creatures that inhabit the landscape but and then he kind of continues to go on about just like they're not important if, if you are neither like stubborn or persistent, but it's very important if you are to realize uh, the difference and figuring out when to quit. And it kind of goes back to him being able to quit uh, his R&B career. And let's see. So, yeah, it is, it is just this um, theme of understanding if you are going to be persistent and when that's leaning into stubbornness and when you should actually quit understanding that is not always easy and uh, I, I don't think maybe like not ever easy because sometimes you will uh, find success by being stubborn and then you think like oh that's that's only that's all I need to do in the future but then you can kind of spin your tires for a very long time and I think something that we've done I guess like going back to the videos thing um I've made a bunch of videos. I would say I'm not like I, I would say I'm not, I haven't been like stubborn with it. Uh, continuing to make the videos, I have been persistent, but I think I need to. I never thought about actually like quitting or anything like that, but I need to kind of like refocus the effort. Um, so I, if I'm going to be continue to persist, I need to 
kind of let go of like the old approach I, I think i was a little stubborn in the old approach of like oh i don't want to do it uh the way that like, these people are saying to do that like, you have to like write a script and blah 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 but i think maybe trying some of those things trying some of uh the tactics other people say to will work it is almost certainly going to be useful for uh creating a consistent video channel um and then let's see the last quote I'll share is... Okay, yeah, so this last quote, he's talking about uh, his friend, and it, he just gives his friend this name, Albert. So he says, Then again, Albert is more intelligent than I am. He had a grand education and read all the right books at university. He is not a self-taught scholar as I am, but there is a downside to all this intelligence and imagination. He thinks a little too much before he acts. He weighs the options too carefully. He is capable of imagining defeat. That's the end of the quote, and that one stuck with me. Um, all right. I highlighted and even made some of the words bold. I bolded, he is capable of imagining defeat. Anyway, yeah, this is just, uh, I guess it reminded me of, I tend to overthink things and try to like over plan before starting, and there's definitely something, I think, um, in my career and just seeing other people that have succeeded in ways that I would want to succeed. I, I do always admire, like, they'll kind of like just get started and then figure things out. I, I, I think you can like lean too much to where you're like, you, you can go to the extreme end there where you get started way too early and you don't know what you're doing and you just flail about. But um, it is always nice. Or like, I always find it admirable, the people that are able to like just start instead of over planning and then adjust course properly. And I think of course that takes, depending on what field it is and that sort of thing, um, but that is something I would, I would want to strive for is to be able to get to it in a way, um, instead of overthinking things, thinking about like all the reasons that something is going to fail, then you get kind of focused on that. So, um, so that is why I like to record the podcast is that, or like just turn the mic on and start recording. All right. Last quote. He talks about time and being young. He says, when the young catch the old unawares, they may sometimes glimpse a look of naked envy, which is then instantly disguised. And the old have reason to be envious. Truly, truly, they do. Ask me what I will give you if you could wave a magic wand and give me my youth back. The answer would be everything I own and everything I will ever own. That's the end of the quote. But this, again, like, he, all, he constantly reminds in the book that, look, this is how I got rich. This is how you can get rich. But I think the main lesson that he wanted to impart is, or like just lesson to spread, is that this there's other ways to be happy. And he, he talks in a, yeah, like I mentioned, I got his next book, and it, he in the intro he says, like, oh, yeah, I released this book called How to Get Rich, and plenty of people said, like, oh, this is so inspirational. And he says, like, it's in the wrong way because it made them pursue this path of unhappiness and kind of like blames the title and um anyway so yeah this idea that hey if you're young that's great <laughs> uh you should not take that for granted and that it, it is just a reminder of like how much time we have how valuable time is and he in a different part of this book he just talks about like time like everyone has the same amount of time and older people have less of it so so always consider where you're putting your time and whether you really want to spend all that time trying to get very rich. And I guess, like, when I think of... <laughs> I'll just always try to, like, 
think about this and then the videos and working with Wally on um, podcasts and doing the videos that when I was listening to that old podcast, this is like the same conclusion that I've mentioned in solo podcasts is like, that is always like one of the best uses of time, podcasting, uh, catching up with Wally. And then same thing with like videos is it's fun to make. And I think it, it helps me like flex the creative muscles that I want to flex uh, or not flex, <laughs> like uh, work them out, practice. It's like the practice that I want to do. And then I get tempted to do things like try to get good at Twitter, which is something I've been trying to do this year or not. Like, yeah, I guess like playing, I can, maybe it is one of those things that um, feels silly to say in a way, but it is of course like just any other platform that you're trying to build an audience on. Um, and yeah, definitely like some people are much better at Twitter than others. So that I think is a really valuable skill to have. And it was something that uh, I think it was in December. I decided oh, I'm gonna like try to try to do this, and I still kind of am. But I definitely noticed that I like I don't know that that's where I want to spend my time, just because it's super addicting. There, there's a lot of like cool stuff on there. Then I click away, read these other things, and time just like disappears. Like I could spend all day using it and kind of like refreshing, seeing something new. Um, then clicking through to all these different different things, and it's it's incredibly tempting, and just I find it very addicting. And then even when I like post something, then I'll check it to like see, like oh, did this person like like this? Did this person retweet it? it the answer is often no. So then then it's like oh no, like um, this means like I'm a terrible person, that that kind of thing. And just I don't know that that's like what I want to focus my time on, but that's the end of this. Thanks a lot.